all things NFL. Now here's your hosts, Root and Y. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Woot and Y Show. I am Josh Y. No, no Woot with us for this episode. I recorded an interview with Chuck Zotta from Inside the Pylon earlier on in the week talking kickers and punters. And the plan was to have Cam Johnston, the Ohio State Australian punter, on the show. But unfortunately got called up to go and visit the Bengals. And uh, we couldn't f- finalize a time to knock that down. So hopefully we can speak to him after the NFL draft, after he's been drafted, or at the very worst, picked up as an undrafted free agent, which I think will, uh, at you know, there's no guarantee, like I'm not guaranteeing it, but it's all but certain that he'll be on an NFL roster heading into training camp, given his pedigree and his performance in college. Uh, I just want to mention as well that Cam Johnson has now visited five. He's our only Australian prospect this year after a huge class last year. He's now visited five NFL teams for a workout, the Bengals, the Bills, the Chargers, Woots Eagles, and the Packers. So plenty of interest for the Ohio State punter. So uh, we wish Cam Johnson the very best to the NFL draft and hope to speak to him after the draft. We'll get to Chuck's interview in a minute. We talk about uh, how uh, rookie Lachlan Edwards performed last year at the Jets, how our veterans Jordan Berry and Brad Wing performed as punters, and we also talk about this overall class, who might be the next Will Lutz, who came out of nowhere to be a uh, you know very strong rookie kicker for the Saints. And we also talk about his Roberto Aguirre pieces. But we had, you know, 10 or 15 minutes to spare uh, in this episode. So I thought, you know, some some major news happened during the week. I don't know, maybe the NFL schedule dropped. So I thought, who better to talk to than our buddy RJ Ochoa, who's been on top of the NFL schedule. Uh, he's actually been predicting the Cowboys schedule for months. Um, how did you actually go in that, by the way? Well, uh, I appreciate the long introduction, and I feel like the results don't warrant it. I uh, I got one game correct, oh. but to be fair, yep. the, the normal trends have been severely bucked uh, this season, so not totally my fault. I feel there's a change, a changing of the guard in terms of the NFL, uh, in terms of um, you know the the teams. I feel like I know the Patriots. We know the Patriots are going to be good and they're going to be popular. That's not going to change, but I feel like there's a little bit of a shift. You know, uh, with some aging quarterbacks and, you know, now no more Peyton Manning. So the Chiefs have like six primetime games, which is insane. It, it's, uh, you know, I, I think you can buy in on, on certainly why the Raiders are, you know, marketed a little bit more heavily this season. Everyone understands that but the Chiefs, you're right. I mean, it's, you know, are they a good football team? Sure. But who's who's on the Chiefs that, that gets your juices flowing? Uh, Nobody. Um... Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I got nothing. Exactly. Marcus I mean, Peters. You know, that's about it. Yeah, I, that's a good one. But still, I mean, yeah. you know, what? Who? What? What? Kansas City Chief is going to be in the Sunday Night Football intro song with Carrie Underwood? Oh God! The most exciting Chief is now a cult. Chris Ballard. Shout out to my man. I'm buying whatever <laughs> he's selling. That's uh, very true. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Colts, uh, we haven't talked news. They they signed Jonathan Hankins uh, last week. Uh, we haven't really talked about that on the show. We or I. Uh, a lot. It's a big deal compared to all of our other free agents, but a lot of it's front loaded, and the guaranteed money's not that much. So I think it's a great signing. He's still only twenty five. We needed that position. We needed huge upgrade. Um, I love the fit. I love the signing. I love what Ballard's done. I. 
I think that there's reason to be optimistic about it. I'm a fan of the Colts because uh, Mar- mostly because I'm a fan of Josh Y. Uh, but I want the Colts to be good. Uh, and that's why I'm shocked at how little they are on prime time. Really, I mean, it's it's kind of insulting to one of the most talented and promising young quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, uh, as a as a guy that normally works during primetime hours, um, I'm happy that we've got more early games, which uh, to our Australian listeners will be fully aware is the 3 a.m. games, and then after some sort of daylight saving shift, it becomes 5 a.m. games. So, um, so uh, well, that, that's yeah. that, that's an interesting thing then for your American listeners is what's what's the optimum time for you, obviously. Like, yeah. what, you know, when when you look at a game, a Colts game, for example, what do you want it to be? What works out better for you in terms of your lifestyle? Yeah, well, for me, I prefer the 3 a.m., the early games, or, or a London game, which is on about midnight, which is nice, but uh, which sounds crazy to you and, and all of our American listeners. And that's why I guess the schedule's kind of important from an Australian perspective is, like, for me, I'm not overly, like, I don't want to talk about the schedule for 25 minutes because we knew who was going to play who already. It's just working out the order and when the games are on. So mm-hmm. for me, it's more like important for logistical standpoint in terms for Australians on, you know, what time do I need to get up to watch my team? So as I said, for me, I prefer the earlier games. I know other people probably prefer the, the later games, which is around 7.30 in the morning, which is a little bit of a sleep in. Or, you know, our prime t- your prime time games are there, your Sunday night footballs, your Thursday night footballs, your Monday night footballs are on or about lunchtime here so uh that's normally when you, you you normally watch your Steelers your Cowboys and your Patriots when you're when you're an Australian fan but for us it it's and you know and you got to book your trips and uh, hopefully me and we're, we're trying to trying to convince the uh the fiancés to let us uh, go on this epic uh one week road trip starting with the Colts in Los Angeles in week one finishing in Kansas City where the Eagles take on the Chiefs we're going to go via Dallas to, to catch up with you and few of our other uh, American friends. But, uh, you know, the fiancés with the wedding next year in mind, not too keen to cough up a little bit of extra coin for us to to go and, uh, you know, tick off a bucket list and watch our teams play in the NFL. Well, if it's a democracy sort of, you know, setup going on, I vote that it will be allowed. So if my vote counts uh, to uh, to both paramours here... Mm. Let it let it happen. Let it be. I mean, because I, I I will look after them in Dallas. I will make sure everything works out. Yeah, and uh, Josh wants to go via Austin. I don't know if that helps. Is that where you are? Uh, well, I live in San Antonio, which is about I uh, say about sixty miles uh, from a non-metric standpoint. Um, you know, uh, away. So that's yep. that's about a stone's throw away. That would work out nicely. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be going from Vegas, hopefully to. To Austin, and I wanted to stop. We were going to stop off at Albuquerque and do a Breaking Bad tour, and then I thought, if we're going to Austin, I want to stop at Roswell and you know get out my inner alien as well. Um, so maybe we could do like we're inspired by uh, what's that kid's name, the Nuggets guy, the one that wants to. Uh, how many retweets for the Nuggets? Carter Wilkerson. Maybe we should do oh. a do a how many retweets for us to get our our trip approved by our. Uh, by our bosses or fiancés, maybe well, not quite eighteen that million. Happen. Maybe we could go. You down have that. to post this. You have to post the screenshot of the DM for it to be official. Yeah, true. That that would be uh, that'd be the way to go. Uh, but yeah, from from a schedule standpoint, we knew what the what the big gains were. We already knew 
what the games were. But now we know what games are in prime time, what games are in order, and what stands out to you from not just from a Cowboys perspective, but an overall perspective. I think what's interesting, um, you know, talking with uh, one of our mutual friends, Bobby Belt, um, you know, there are 15 scheduled Sunday night football games because they leave week 16 and 17 open for flexing purposes. Uh, although I think week, week 16 is the Christmas uh, week, so they might not do one. I mean, it's always weird. But of the 15, how many do you think are, you know, intra, inter, whatever, AFC versus NFC, opposite conference? How many would you guess of the 15? For Sunday Night Football? Correct. Uh, four? The answer is six. Oh, okay. And that's amazing. I mean, you're talking about almost half. Uh, and you've got some great matchups. You've got your Colts in Seattle. That's, you know, I think everyone's kind of, I don't think that Russell Wilson and Andrew Luck have ever squared off on primetime. And so that's fascinating. You have the Redskins and the Raiders, obviously a rematch of uh, the 1983 Super Bowl, uh, 1983 Redskins losing very infamously. You've got Cowboys, Raiders. Uh, I mean, those. that's a good game. It's fantastic. And where I feel torn is those games matter so little i mean i know that this sounds silly but to you a win against the browns matters more than a win against the seahawks that's just the way the the rules are structured yes um and and so while they don't mean anything they're exciting because you don't get to see these games but once every four once every eight in these locations years uh so i applaud the nfl for saying you know what these are kind of rare we want everybody to really enjoy them Hmm. it's Looking at Monday Night Football, a similar type approach, it looks like there's more divisional games on the Monday Night Football, and then the the inter-conference clashes kind of look like they are sort of playoff rematches uh, or, you know, feature at least playoff teams in terms of, uh, where are we? I saw, you know, Falcons at Seahawks was one, and... You know, uh, Cowboys at Cardinals. I know the Cardinals didn't quite make it last year, but they were, you know, a, a better team. Uh, the Monday Night Slate isn't is more divisional games, which 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 means that there's a lot more on the line. That's true. I mean, it's it's weird, and you know, ESPN usually gets the short end of this stick when it comes to Monday Night Football, and they do have what at least right now appear to be some stinkers. I mean, you could look at Week Five; they've got Minnesota at Chicago. I don't know that anyone is ridiculously excited about that week. Uh, week 12, they have Houston at Baltimore. That sounds okay, but when you really think about it, it's kind of boring. Yeah, a bit of a uh, week, boring game. Week, week 14, you have New England at Miami. Uh, you know, I think it was two years ago when the Giants visited Miami on Monday Night Football. That was when the Dolphins wore their, their solid uniforms. Uh, and I, I know that we're talking about the, the world champions here in terms of the Patriots, but I'm not ridiculously excited about the notion of the Miami Dolphins on Monday Night Football. Mm. Looking at the most exciting games of the season, uh, you know, you mentioned my Colts taking on the Seahawks. From my bias perspective, I'm, I'm excited from that. But looking at the most exciting games of the season, I think most involve the Atlanta Falcons. And it's not just that they're an exciting team to watch given their offense, and it will be fascinating to see the, that offense, you know, post Shanahan, but obviously week seven is that Super Bowl rematch. I do love that all these Super Bowl rematches always seem to favor New England because they're at home. I, I, I just, I always, <laughs> I don't understand how that always works out in their favor, but it does. But week seven, Atlanta at New England. I also am very looking forward to Dallas 
at Oakland, and then also, as I said, the Falcons, Dallas at, at the Falcons, in what should have probably been, you know, the uh, the matchup we wanted to see in the uh, in the championship game in in the NFC. Oh. Um, sorry to rub salt into your wounds, but um, that that's for me is a, is a fascinating matchup. Um, I'm looking at some other articles, and they're trying to peg New England Patriots at Tampa Bay ahead of that game. Are you kidding me? Um, are you serious? Dallas at, at Atlanta is probably like top three most exciting game of the season for me. It is uh, very, very, very exciting. I mean, the Cowboys obviously playing the AFC West. There are some fascinating draws. I mean, the top Cowboys Broncos is exciting as well. Cowboys Chargers on Thanksgiving is a little bit weird, but Cowboys Falcons is going to be exciting. You mentioned that Falcons Patriots game and to take things full circle here. I remember very, very vividly the last time these two teams squared off. It was a Sunday night football game in Atlanta, obviously, in the Georgia Dome in 2013. That was the night of the Breaking Bad series finale. Uh, I don't know what day it was. I think it was in October of 2013. But that was the only moment in time ever in my life that I have watched something over Sunday night football just because I wanted to avoid all potential spoilers. Uh, But so, yeah, last time, you know. They played. We had the greatest show ever ended. And so who knows what will happen this year in New England in Week 7. Yep. Uh, Revenge games, obviously, you know, we just mentioned the the Super Bowl rematch is one. Looking at sort of Eddie Lacy at Green Bay is the first game of the first week of the season we'll get to see. Brandon Cooks playing the Saints in Week 2. Mike Glennon taking on Tampa Bay in Week 2. And then, you know, how about this for a saucy revenge game? Matt Khalil versus the Vikings, front seven in week 14. <laughs> um, whether Matt Khalil will still be on in the starting rotation by week 14 is, is a whole different question. You're also, you know, missing uh, missing the big point here, Why Now, week six, the Houston Texans, they host the Cleveland Browns. Brock Osweiler, revenge oh. tour, could <laughs> potentially be in full of – I mean, how amazing would that be? If Brock Osweiler goes in and leads the Browns to victory over the Texans. It would be something phenomenal. And I would get around that 1,000%. Um, it would, And that's the week before the Texans buy. Yeah. So imagine you have to stew in that for two, two weeks. weeks if that happens. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Thanksgiving. What are the, the three Thanksgiving games uh, this this season? Uh, this Thanksgiving, as we're all gathered around enjoying it, uh, we've got Detroit hosting the Minnesota Vikings. So, all right, you know, uh, at the noon o'clock hour, Nickelback won't be performing if the city of Detroit has anything to say about it. Thank God. You've got, you've got Dallas hosting the Los Angeles Chargers, which is very difficult to remember to say. And then at night, uh, very excited about this, honestly, uh, because you don't get this ever, really. You have the Washington Redskins hosting the New York Giants. I think that's a fantastic I – mean, you're talking three you know, NFC East teams on Turkey Day, the three best NFC East teams. I hope Woot is listening intently there. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a fascinating day. And, I, you know, I got to talk to Kirk Cousins at the Super Bowl in Houston, and Humble as a bro. Cowboys fan – <laughs> yeah, as a Cowboys fan, I know that my uh, my allegiance members will be upset about this, but he's a great guy, and I heard him on Peter King's podcast recently. I am rooting for Kirk because I want him to stick it to the Redskins at the end of the season more than anything. So I'm excited to see that game. Why are you talking about Kirk Cousins like he's going to be on the Redskins roster in Week One? 
so you're Ooh. you're uh we've got your we need your trope alert uh sound drop because uh i played the x-files uh, drop because there's a little bit of conspiracy i don't know i think there's still still think there's a chance i don't know that would be fantastic. Yeah. Either way, then I. What if Geno Smith is playing for the Giants at that point? We've got Geno Smith on, you know, against, the Sunday night football on Thanksgiving. Against Deshaun Kaiser. Very interesting. Yeah, oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, all right. So, any last schedule takes before uh, before we move on? Uh, I will say that a game that we did not mention that I'm incredibly excited for. You know, another humble brag. Having visited there last season. In Pittsburgh, week 12, the Steelers will host the Green Bay Packers. That is just yeah. football heaven. I mean, I, I'm very, very excited, especially since it's ha- that's the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about from Thursday through Sunday, and that's your great college you know, uh, rivalries and everything. That's good. just going to be a fantastic weekend. I'm so excited already. Are we sure Big Ben won't be retired by then? No, I am. Uh, I'm. Let's put it this way: I'm more certain. Um, I'm more cert- uncertain uh, about that than I am Kirk Cousins' status in 2017. Perfect. Hey, uh, RJ Choa, I want to just uh, let all our listeners know how incredible you are because uh, I was just sitting at home. It's it's actually Emma's birthday today, and I'm just recording before we're heading out for lunch. But I was like, I just needed another 15 minutes on this episode, so. I reach out to you, I DM you, what are you doing right now? And you're watching Forrest Gump, and I'm like, come on the pod. And just at a drop of the hat, you just drop everything, and you come and watch the pod. But, you know, that's cool and all, but I kind of consider myself a hero. Because I saved you from Forrest Gump, which I think is a terrible movie. You and I are typically in lockstep on most things. In fact, I've told many people that Josh Y is the Australian version of Arjo Ochoa. Uh, and, and before I continue, happy birthday, Emma. Yep. But I, uh, I am irate that you are upset with an American classic, Forrest Gump. And maybe it's because it's an American classic. No, you know? maybe, we'll, we'll, I like American we'll get, movies, we'll get, but... We'll, we'll get to, when you come here, Y, for weeks one and two, and you swing through all, all the states you plan on, your little southeast uh, you know, mo- motion... You know, I think that the, you know, the American, you know, oxygen will help you realize that Forrest Gump is an incredible film. I, I liked it when I first watched it. I rewatched it the other day and I was like, this is not great. I don't, I don't, I don't understand why I liked it to begin with. Um, I'm going to put it on a poll and see if anyone agrees with me. Uh, generally, I'm in the minority, which I like. I kind of like being that, um, that which is fine. Um, so we'll wait and see what everyone thinks. And you mentioned Breaking Bad, another un you know, controversial opinion. I I like Better Call Saul better than Breaking Bad. Why, man? Okay, so we See, need but, to. But for me, for Better Call Saul, is I got a legal background, obviously. So the law part intrigues me a lot, like especially in season one. So I really like that. And then Breaking Bad, it, it there was a lot of episodes where it was really, really slow. I know the last season was incredible, and it is. But there was a lot of episodes. I don't know. There's just subtleties in, in Better Call Saul that I really appreciate and I really love. And I'm just, I'm amazed. And it's a lot tougher to do a spin-off show like that. We saw we saw Joey, you know, <laughs> and, and other spin-off shows like that just fizzle out. This is incredible that they've managed to, you know, at least be on par or just a little bit tier below among consensus. And there would be some but, that probably agree the, with me. The, the spin-off argument is so absurd because without Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul could not exist. So this is true. by by simple definition of scientific elements, Breaking Bad is better because 
its existence in and of itself allows for Better Call Saul to be a show that you love. But, but what does that say about, like, sequels? Or do you always think the first film is the best? There's, there's one exception to this rule, and it involves, obviously, the use of time travel, and it's Back to the Future Part 2, mm. because Back to the Future Part 2 does not necessarily require Back to the Future Part 1 for it to exist. Well, that is true. Because Lord of the Rings, Return of the, you know, Return of the King is way better than the other two, but without the other two, it doesn't exist. You know what I'm saying? That's true, but Lord of the Rings is also a book series, which opens up a whole other can of yeah, worms. We, we, of we're arguments. going down an absolute rabbit hole here. Uh, some little bit of news before I ch- move to our uh, my interview with Chuck Zotter. Uh, the Chiefs released uh, defensive end Jay Howard today. Um, still owing two and a half million guaranteed. He's a, a sneaky underrated player and, and someone you don't really expect to see like this good available at this time. It's um, it's definitely curious um as, as to the timing of it but i mean considering that we're inside of a week of the nfl draft i think you know that that says a lot that's mm. a, a bit of a tell on behalf of the chiefs in terms of where they're headed in terms of town acquisition and i think mr howard's gonna have to wait until the draft is over to find a home because you'd rather find a, a player on a rookie salary to get that job done if you can yeah i i, I do think that the colts might be interested i know we've just picked up a defensive lineman but we you know ballard has that connection to jay howard and his stress competition, and I think maybe, uh, given the state of the roster, he can front load the deal again. And and you know, that's the, that's the concept behind him is it, he knows that he can't fix the defense in one draft in one year. It's it's a long term project. So I think that could be something we could see. Uh, one, two last questions: Cam Newton's Coachella outfit, hot or not? I am not a fan of any outfit Cam Newton's ever put together. The only outfit I enjoy that he wears is the oh all black. I thought it was hot. Oh, hot, 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 hot. It was great. Hot, 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 I don't think you can say that if you wouldn't wear it. You know? I, I would wear it. I'd look horrible in it, but I would wear it. Well, then that's all that matters. If yeah. you would wear it, then I retract my point. Okay, there we go. And last question. you got one player that you want the Cowboys to draft at 28. Who is it? Who's, your, who's the top oh. of the RJHL personal big board? I am, uh, you know, I like to be a part of crowds, admittedly. Uh, and right now, I think T.J. Watt is the clubhouse leader in the book of R.J., okay, so but I will, in the I, will, I will say that there are a lot of names, uh, that literally names that I'm excited about. Uh, not necessarily the players themselves, but there's a lot of names that I'm excited about for pun potential, for joke potential. Uh, think, think about a name like Bowser. Think about what fun oh, we could have with that. Oh, unbelievable. So um, I, uh, I'm, I'm selfish in that regard, but today... Uh, I'm leaning towards T.J. Watt. Plus, okay. if you have a two-letter name and Jay is one of them, I'm, uh, you know, You're I'm a buyer. You're a fan. Exactly. Uh, I'm hoping it's a Doray Jackson just because I know I'm watching the draft with Laurie um, and I know it'll pain him. And well, that's going to be fun. <laughs> well, I watched uh, I watched the 2016 NFL draft with Mr. Haresh. Yes, uh, So, uh Please, uh, please send him my regards, not in a Lannister way uh, to keep within the television theme of the episode, but yep. send him my regards and to the rest of the nation of Australia. I love that place. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll talk more off air on what, uh, what I can uh, you know, tee up with Laurie, what will what tick him off. Uh, and yeah. uh, RJ Chow, before we let you go, where can people find you and your work? Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at RJ Ochoa. You can watch Ocho Live every day uh, on that Twitter or Periscope account. You can also watch it on Facebook. You can go like Ocho Live on Facebook. 
And now we have an Ocho Live newsletter uh, that sort of is just a, a hub of what's going on in the world of the Cowboys, the world of RJ, uh, links to things I do. For example, uh, in the next issue of the newsletter, there'll be a link to this episode. You can listen to it. Fantastic. If you like all things Ocho Live, go subscribe. The link is pinned to the top of my Twitter profile. I can't recommend that enough. And RJ Chow, thank you for joining the show and, and talking schedule with me on such short notice. Please enjoy the rest of your horrible film. And here is our interview with Chuck Zotter. Joining me on the line is Chuck Zotter. He breaks down special teams play. He builds up punters' egos. He's an NFL and NCAA writer, and he's a podcast host for Inside the Pylon. He evaluates kickers and punters for Bleacher Report in the NFL 1000. You can follow him on Twitter at ITP underscore Chuck Z. And if you haven't already, please purchase the ITP draft guide. Fortunately, Chuck got brushed, and there's not much kicker and punter stuff, but he worked very hard on the back end of that, and I can guarantee you it's a it's a document well worth reading. And uh, welcome to the Wooten Wire Show, Chuck Zotter. Well, it's good to be here. I mean, obviously, we had uh, we had the pleasure of having you on, uh, you know, a couple times on our pod last year, and uh, you know, happy to be able to uh, spread a little kicker and punter love uh, on your pod here now, and uh, hopefully uh, give people some good info about what's coming up with. Uh, specialist for the draft in a couple weeks just because obviously the big news last year we had Roberto Aguayo going out in the second round a little bit unexpectedly that early um and so I know a lot of people are kind of wondering hey what's what's going on this year is there anything similar so we're uh you know we're pretty stoked for it and I'm happy to chat with you yeah I I do apologize that it's been so long we uh we uh tried to get uh yourself on before the draft last year but it just got very very hectic, so I'm glad we can finally get you on. And, uh, you know, everyone keeps asking, who's the next Dak Prescott? How about who's the next Roberto Aguayo, am I right? Well, it depends which way you mean that. You know, <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's, there's there's a lot of ways to interpret that question. So it's 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 really interesting to look at it, um, you know, and, and the, the overall class that we have this year. My, my general thoughts on the class, just looking at it from afar, is – I, I don't think this class is as thin uh, at the top as it was last year. I think this is a much deeper class. I think it's a much more uh, well-rounded class. But I don't think it has the, the pure top-end talent that we saw last year outside of Zane Gonzalez this year, who I think is is a phenomenal prospect. But I think there's a little bit more of a drop-off from him to the next tier than we saw last year. But I think this is a deeper class overall. Okay, uh, so Zane Zane Gonzalez is is your top is your top kicker. Um, so the top kicker last year obviously was Aguayo, and he he went very early, and we saw Tampa Bay trade up for him. You, you know, you're saying Gonzalez is on that next tier. So where does he? Where do you see him being drafted? Uh, not the location, but in terms of round, um, as compared to the rest of the kickers in this class. Well, so my thought in general, and, uh, you know, it it takes a lot of uh, self-awareness to say this, but my thought in general, I never give a kicker higher than a third round grade, just because when you look at it statistically, it doesn't make sense to draft one higher than that, because the most bang for your buck that you're going to get is pretty much equivalent to a third rounder. So the highest grade that I ever give is a third round grade. And I actually gave that to Roberto Aguayo last year. And through that process, uh, what I did is I had noted in my 
reports on him and in my profile of him that he did have a couple little flaws that he had managed to that point in his career. And I said, look, they could become problems down the road, but they haven't to this point, And I'm going to discount them because I, I just don't see them becoming issues. Well, it turned out that exactly what I saw there ended up becoming the problem. And so I'm sitting there with a little bit of egg on my face saying, okay, I noticed it, but I said it wasn't a big deal. And it kind of was a big deal. So my bad on that. So w- with Gonzalez, he actually has a very similar uh, s- similar type of issue to Aguayo in that uh, what we call his skip step, the step on his left foot after his follow-through, it's pretty quick and it's right almost as he's kicking the ball, which kind of puts him in motion as he's striking the ball, which allows him to generate a lot of power. And in fact, Gonzalez is incredibly well tested from distance. So I really like the fact that he's been consistent from 50 plus, but he does have that little mechanical wiggle uh, that does give me a little bit of cause for concern, partly because I guess I'm just a little gun shy about Aguayo if we're being completely honest here. So when I grade out Gonzalez, I grade him as a fourth rounder. I knock him down a peg just because I do acknowledge there's a little bit of risk because of that. Chuck, for for those that don't know what a skip step is, and I'm not actually too familiar with it myself, can you just explain what a skip step is and and how important that is to a kicker? Well, every kicker in the NFL employs a skip step of some type. The big yep. question is how do they do it? And and really the two, the three things that you're considering, what's the direction of the skip step, what's the distance of it, and what's the okay. timing of it. Those those are the three different pieces uh, that tend to vary. In general, most NFL kickers, the timing tends to be very consistent. It's pretty much kicker strikes the ball, and about a tenth of a second later, foot's in motion and moving forward. With the Guayo, it was pretty much right as he's striking the ball. Gonzalez is very similar as well. And it's not to say that it can't work, but my, my rule of thumb with kickers is, look, I don't care what you do as long as the ball goes through the uprights. You could do a backflip, and as long as you're able to get yourself into the same position every time, it's all good with me. The issue is that the more, uh, the more motion that you have and the more eccentricity that you have, well, the more things can potentially go wrong. If you've got a very simple and smooth motion, you don't have a lot of moving parts. There's not a lot to fix. When you start adding in different pieces like this, it's another thing that could break down. And unfortunately, what you see is that eventually, whether it's because of mental reasons, you know, you you just the pressure of kicking or physical ones, injury and changes in mechanics and things like that. Kickers do break down. Sometimes you look at what happened to Blair Walsh a couple of years ago, Chandler Catanzaro this year. Um, you know, you can go through the list of guys who had successful rookie and sophomore campaigns, but eventually their flaws catch up to them. And yep. so from my perspective, the fewer moving parts you have, the less flaws you potentially have as well. Okay. Uh, you mentioned Roberto Aguayo before, and you mentioned that you, you know, you kind of got things wrong or you, you, you picked up on things, but didn't think they were going to be an issue. You wrote some really good stuff on him last season and I implore anyone to go and you know, head to inside the pile on it and check them out. But your most recent piece was a draft retrospective, you know, after you placed that third round grade on Aguayo before the 2016 NFL draft. For those who haven't sort of read or heard your thoughts on Aguayo, apart from, you know, the skip step issues, where did it go wrong for him? And, and what can he do to turn it around? Because it's it's far from over for him, uh, you know, as a kicker. There's, there's many years that you can, your, your career isn't 
over it can be over in a short period of time, but you know there's plenty of chances he can you know turn it around. Well, I'll tell you what I, I think Aguayo is going to be on a short leash this year. Um, you know what you saw is the Buccaneers in the off season they brought in Nick Folk, the yep. veteran uh, from uh, he'd previously been with the Jets. Uh, and what's interesting about the uh, the Folk deal um, is that it's not a situation where they went out and just signed him to some kind of minimum deal. They signed him to a million dollar deal with seven hundred and fifty grand guaranteed. Yeah. So. There's some guaranteed money attached here, and pretty much what that says to me is that they don't have a ton uh, of, uh, you know, they don't have a ton of confidence in Aguayo here. Uh, and actually, I'm sorry, that contract is 1.75 million with 750 of that guaranteed. Yep. So, I, I think from my perspective, if I'm looking at Aguayo, uh, the the summer the summer is going to be the big thing for him. Is he needs to be able to show on day one of training camp that he's ready to go because you cannot have a kicker uh, performing the way that he did over the course of an entire season last year. You can make all the case that you want for rookie adjustments, but you simply can't do that in the modern day NFL. And so if, if I'm a coach, if I'm a GM uh, and I'm looking at him, I'm saying, Hey, look, you got to come in. You can miss occasionally, but you can't do what you did last year. Every kicker misses, but we can't see that again. And I think for Aguayo, the big thing for him is he he needs to get out of his head and get his, his his head straight simply because I think the pressure of being a second round pick and the eyeballs on him was one of the toughest things that he had to yeah. face last year just because the expectations were so high and not just being a second round pick but that Tampa Bay traded up to get him no one trades up to get a kicker like that's unfair yeah. you just don't do that so <laughs> from my perspective I think just hey look you were a second round pick. You're a sophomore now. It, it's time to put that behind you. No one cares where you're picked at this point. You're an NFL player. You've got to perform. That's that's how I would try to go in. If I were one of his coaches, I'd say, look, forget about where you were drafted. We don't care. We need you to play like an NFL player because that's what you are now. And if he can't do that, frankly, he doesn't belong in the league at that point. At some point, you can't baby the kid. You have to say, look, you got to put up or shut up. This is, you know, it's a professional sport. We can't keep you around just for the sake of keeping you around. Yeah, and it's weird. The Buccaneers are, are sort of have two two kickers on guaranteed money on their roster. You know, the, the Guayos getting guaranteed money. I know it's only a rookie deal, but still, that's a lot of money invested in the kicking position when you don't really have to do it. And, and it's your own fault, I guess, for, for placing that pressure on Aguayo. And, and, and maybe the mental aspect is a large part of it, but still, that's a, it's a weird sort of scenario to be giving two kickers guaranteed money it's it's definitely a little strange here and uh certainly tampa bay brass probably has to eat a little bit of crow on this one just because yep. again I, I i loved aguayo coming out of college but you, look i am the biggest advocate for kickers out there but you don't draft a kicker in the second round and you don't <laughs> trade up to get it like what are you doing like if i'm telling you not to do that that's saying something it is. It is pretty insane. Uh, speaking of, you know, coming out last year, Brad Brad Craddock was an, an Australian draft prospect, a kicker, actually beat Roberto Aguayo for one of the Lou Groza awards uh, during their college careers. Are you surprised that he isn't, not even like on an NFL roster, at least in a training camp of some sort, uh, he's still out there? For me, that seems insane. 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him picked up at some point this summer, just as a camp leg. I think, yep. um, you know, I always thought that Craddock was a, a talented kicker with a somewhat unorthodox motion. It just, it, there's something about his kicking motion that doesn't necessarily look right while he's kicking, but he was always very effective. And I tend to believe that effectiveness again, it's, it's the big thing that we're all going for. We're not all going to be perfect models. We're not all going to do things the way we're told to. Yep. But I think from, from looking at Craddock from the outside, the one question mark that he always had was, can he be successful enough from distance on a repeated basis? It's still a question that's out there. But, I mean, Craddock hit, I think, what, what did he have? I think it was a 54-yarder against Penn State or something like that, or a 56-yarder. Yeah. It was a 50, I think it was a 55, 54-yarder to, to win the game. Um, so Yeah, you know, I mean, like, he, he's shown that he can do that, just hasn't had a ton of chances. So I'd like to see Craddock get another chance. Um, you know, and guys like that, sometimes they'll float around for two or three years before they end up. Uh, with a full-time gig. You look no further than Steven Hauschka, who bounced around practice squads for two and a half years before he finally got a full-time job. So, mm. you know, it, it certainly can happen. Um, the question is, you know, can he tread water long enough uh, to get that next shot? Speaking of, you know, being effective, I always come back to, to Jim Furyk in in the golf. Most unorthodox golf oh, swing. Oh, terrible swing. Oh, terrible swing. But it works. You know, we all can't be Adam Scott. You know, it it's as long as you as long as it's effective and it works i don't understand why nfl teams aren't giving these people you know players a chance and i always think back to 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 tom hackett as well are you still shocked that he doesn't have a job in the nfl i i guess he doesn't punt the traditional style and i feel like that's that's hurt him a little bit even though his style is was very very effective in college yeah, and, and, and I think that Hackett absolutely should have, uh, at a bare minimum, a tryout. And I, I'd carry him even on a practice squad and chew up a spot there because I think Hackett's that good. Uh, selfishly, I also want him just because I think he has some of the best interviews out of any specialist I've ever seen. He's um, but I, I think Hackett's a guy who, again, gets penalized just because he doesn't do things the way uh, that you're told to necessarily. But sometimes that's where the best innovation tends to happen in the game. I mean, you have an awful lot of guys and you talk about the changes that have happened over the history of football. Innovation happens because you do things differently. It's because you say, hey, what if we look at things a little bit differently and don't do what everyone else is doing? And I'm not saying that Hackett would necessarily be a success with his style. He may not be, but I can tell you that there's a mentality in the NFL, especially on special teams that coaches like to fail in ways that are familiar rather than fail in new ones just because the new ones tend to attract more scrutiny. Yeah, that's just frustrating. It's like uh, it feels like that scene in Moneyball where the where they just can't grasp a concept of, of trying something new. Uh, no, so- and it's, it's like you're sitting there and it's like you want to see Jeremy Brown rounding third base, falling over and everything, yeah. not realizing he hit a home run. And you just you, you're just banging your head against the wall. Yeah, exactly. It's it's very very frustrating. Before we get back to the draft, and you've you've touched on this class, I do want to mention you know and ask about your work for NFL 1000 on Bleacher Report. Firstly, how was it? You know, it must have been a dream for you being a like kicking and punting super fan. I mean, it's it's it pretty much was. I mean, the fact that I was able. Uh, to do something like this project. It, it's something that I've always wanted to do. Um, it's something that I never thought I'd have the opportunity to do. Uh, and, and more than anything else, I'm just grateful for the opportunity and grateful 
um, you know, to be able to, to work with some of the people there um, who obviously uh, know an awful lot more about uh, the game of football beyond just watching people, you know, kick and punt because, you know, I'm a very small slice of football when it's all <laughs> said and done. So just honored to be a part of the project and, you know, uh, just very happy to uh, been able to contribute in some way there. Uh, and how did how did our Aussie punters rate? You know, what were your thoughts on on some of our veterans, Jordan Berry and Brad Wing? And then, you know, your our rookie punter Lachlan Edwards. I know was kind of towards the bottom of your list. That's not a bad thing. It just means that you know, some would that people were just better than him. But he's a rookie. He can improve. How did you think all three of those guys fared? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, starting from the bottom, Edwards is a guy who the big knock that I had on him in college was just that, you know, he had a good leg, but just was very inconsistent and showed more of that, unfortunately, uh, as a rookie. And and the fact is that tends to happen to rookies. If you look at the uh, the bottom three punters graded out this year, two of them were rookies. Drew Kayser, who I thought was going to have a phenomenal rookie year, came in one spot above lock on Edwards. So, you know, it doesn't always pan out right away for rookies. It's not, you know, a moment of panic, but certainly Edwards has some work to do uh, to be able to get himself to where uh, he needs to be in the NFL. In particular, two big things, his directional ability needs to place the ball a little bit better and just needs to make a little bit more consistent contact. He underperformed uh, distance wise by a few percentage points and just needs to be able to generate more consistent distance there. Yep. Uh, Jordan Berry, I thought, was uh, pretty close to NFL average this year. I graded him out a little bit below when it was all said and done, um, but pretty close to average. To be honest, it's a pretty good year for NFL punters. I actually ended up grading, uh, I think it was 18 punters as average or above this year out of 34 qualifiers. Berry was you know, just on the bottom end there. I think Barry's a guy who excels in the directional game, doesn't have the strongest leg. And I think because of Pittsburgh's offensive struggles sometimes last year, didn't always have a situation uh, that he was able to really perform at his peak in. It was, it was just kind of, you know, uh, trying to fit a square peg in a round hole a little bit. Yep. Brad wing. I got to say, you know, he's a guy who a couple of years ago, a lot of people thought might kind of be on the outs in the NFL. You know, it never really turned uh, and taken advantage of the talent that he had. I thought he had an outstanding year this year. I mean, I, I graded him out right on the edge of the top 10 in particular, above average from a distance perspective, above average in terms of his ball placement. Gave up a little bit uh, in hang time in order to make things work this year, so he sacrificed a little in hang. But I'll tell you, he's a guy who, if he continues to improve on this kind of trajectory, I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, a top two or three punter in the NFL just because the guys who are in that are in, like, a whole different stratosphere right now. Like, there's just some unreal talent at the top end. But I could see him falling into kind of this top five, top seven, top eight range, you know. Not every year necessarily, but here and there, I think you could definitely end up seeing that. Yeah, and with with Jordan Berry, I feel like he his best is when you know Pittsburgh sort of get an offensive role and and they may be forced to punt sort of you know on and around that sort of halfway line. I feel like he's much better when he needs to pin a team like within the ten. Um, hopefully, they can get back to more of that you know, in in twenty seventeen. Exactly. I I think he's phenomenal at that pin deep game. If he's punting from, you know, back on his own 10 or 15 yard line struggles a little bit just to get the distance that you want from there. But the other thing to remember, he's a young guy, you know, it's, it it takes a little time for punters to build up leg strength and fully develop. I usually look at kind of guys kind of in that 27, 28 range 
uh, where they finally start to you know, really show the leg strength that I think they're going to have at their peak. And Barry, I think, uh, just turned 26 in the offseason. So yep. he's still got a couple of years uh, to get a little bit more development going. Yep, and, and Lachlan Edwards is is just a pup as well. So plenty of uh, plenty of chances for him. He's only 24, so uh, plenty of time left for, for our Aussie punters in the NFL to all of our Australian listeners. And hopefully we'll have a... Uh, Another one in Cam Johnston. So let's get to this uh, NFL draft, and we've got to ask you about Cam Johnston. Describe his game and, and whether you think he can be successful in the NFL. So J- Johnston's interesting. Uh, I was watching some tape on him a couple weeks ago, um, and what stands out first and foremost is it's a very compact and clean motion that he has uh, as a punter. When As a punter, the biggest thing that you're trying to do is you're trying to turn your punting leg pretty much just into a giant lever, swing it straight up and down, and just hit the ball the same way every time. Uh, Johnston leans back a little bit more than the average punter, so he comes at the ball from a slightly different angle, has a little trouble sometimes generating the hang, I think, that he wants to because of that. Um, But I'll tell you, he's a guy who generally shows the ability uh, to place the ball outside the hashes pretty well, so I think that his punting style meshes up pretty well with what NFL coaches are looking for today. Doesn't put a ton of balls in the middle of the field, which is what you want to see. You want to see the punter targeting the sidelines, if at all possible. Um, You know, he's got a clean approach. Doesn't seem to have uh, many punts where he just completely duffs the ball and, you know, has a shank that doesn't really go anywhere. Um, The one thing that I'd like to see um, is a little bit more control in terms of spin down by the goal line, I'd like to see a little bit more, uh, you know, control. If you're trying to get into pin deep situations, um, a little bit less of short legging the ball and a little bit more, Hey, I'm going to pop this one up a little bit more and just Mm -hmm. change the angle on it. Um, So that's something he can work to develop, but I'll tell you, he loves to target the left side of the field down in those pin deep situations. A lot of punts toward the left numbers, um, it's impressive what he's able to do there. And I'm pretty optimistic uh, that he's going to be able to be successful in the NFL. I grade him out kind of as a fringe draftee somewhere in that seventh round undrafted. But I do think even if he's not drafted, he still has a spot on an NFL roster. I just don't grade specialists that highly just because there's so many good ones that you can find good ones uh, undrafted. But I've got him third overall uh, in this year's punting class here. Um, and, and I think he's going to be a very, very capable NFL punter needs to, again, develop a little bit. He's not going to walk in on day one and wow you, but I think he's going to be very capable over time there. Interesting. When you said something stood out, I thought you were going to definitely mention that he, his red hair, but, uh, he went down a, a punting path, which I, I always expect. like redheaded punters. It's, you know, I'm, I'm all about punter swag in any way possible. And if anything, I'd like to see him grow that out and maybe get something coming out of the helmet a little bit more. Um, you know, I, 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 I partly I'm, I, I don't really have hair myself, so I'm always, you know, kind of living vicariously, but you know, it's, I, I like to see punters who kind of develop a little bit of style. We got to bring a little, little style to the position every now and then. We've got a, we've got a gaping hole now that Pat McAfee has, uh, has left the NFL. I know we, it, we really do. It's, uh, you know, Marquette King, I think is going to fill that, that oh, role definitely. fairly well. Um, but I'm always, always on the lookout for punters with swag. You know, Brad wings, one of my favorite guys, the only punter ever to get a taunting penalty probably. So, yep. 
Um, Fantastic. I'll take what I can get, you know? <laughs> uh, so Johnson comes three on your rankings. Uh, I think many have Austin Rikau as their number one punter. Uh, is that the same for you? Yep, I, I like Rico a lot. He's got a uh, a big leg, to be honest. I almost I almost think he's good enough to be able to kick as well. He kicked uh, at Idaho as well. Um, I like his motion as a kicker too. I almost wonder if someone takes him just to try to put him at both positions. The one issue that you have then uh, is if he ever gets injured, you don't necessarily have a backup who can swap in and out. Um, so I do think Rico probably ends up being taken as a punter. But honestly, he's good enough. I think he could probably do both. He's got a big leg, very consistent. So he's my number one there. Um, I like Toby Baker of Arkansas as well. Uh, He's kind of in that same range somewhere uh, as uh, Johnston, kind of in that seventh round to uh, free agent. Rico, I think, probably ends up being the first punter off the board somewhere late round four, early round five uh, is where I'd expect to see him. Even round four in this class. I could see I could see him going. I, I think he's a very, very capable punter. Um, and surprisingly, I, I don't know why NFL teams seem more willing to overpay for punting talent in the draft than they do kicking. Um, I, I don't know why that is necessarily, but it seems like every couple of years we get a punter slipping into round four and Rico's got the talent to be able to do it, I think. Very interesting. I always go back to uh, the Jags taking a punter over Russell Wilson. Uh, always makes me laugh as a Colts fan. I, I mean, it's it's kind of a smart move, right? Yeah, you know, definitely. And it's not even on if, their if, rost- he's ro- their roster anymore. I mean, technically, like the way that I look at punters, and I I I love this term that they're masters of surrender. You know, that's that's really what their job is when you think about it. Their job is to raise that white flag as high as they can. And look, if you're not going to have Russell Wilson, you might as well have the best punter that you can, right? Like, Absolutely. that's just kind of the way to go about it because you don't really have a chance otherwise. <laughs> Could not agree more. Uh, you mentioned Zane Gonzalez as the, as the top kicker. What are some of the other kickers that, that may get drafted in uh, in this class? Um, so the other guys that I really like, uh, Andy Phillips is my number two out of Utah. Uh, Phillips, I think in general... Uh, just has a very short and simple motion. Again, I like kickers that aren't complex if pro- if possible, um, at least physically, mentally, all kickers are a little complex, so you got to deal with it. Um, so I like Phillips uh, quite a bit there. Jake Elliott's the other guy that I've got up there uh, as a uh, dra- draftable kicker this year. So I've got three guys uh, who are potentially draftable, but I'll tell you, it is a deep, deep class. If we start to go off the radar a bit, Uh, My two sleepers that I'm hoping get picked up somewhere, and I think that any team that finds these guys is going to be pretty happy they brought him in. Uh, Jonathan Gonzalez from Portland State, uh, who has one of the smoothest strokes that you'll ever see out there, hasn't been tested a ton from distance and has shown some uh, struggles early in his college career, but has really grown as a kicker uh, since he started. I think he's a guy who I've got as a sleeper, as an undrafted free agent. Another guy that I've got is Aleem Sunanan from uh, Alabama State, uh, who was actually ineligible in the fall just because of grades, I guess. Um, But Sunanan has just some easy power, and I'll tell you, he makes kicking look really easy. Um, Don't know what kind of interest he's going to get from NFL teams, but I will tell you there's something pretty special about his move through the ball, Um, and, and I do think that he's a guy who has an undrafted free agent. 
even if he doesn't contribute this year, you bring him in, sign him to a futures contract in the offseason and see what you can do after, you know, having him in your program for a year. That's the kind of guy who I'd like uh, kind of as a developmental kicker uh, as I look at what's out there. I uh, I saw your tweet about Aleem, and I was going to ask you about him. So you've uh, you've done well. You've skipped ahead. We have a habit of uh, of our of our uh, guests often knowing the questions we're going to ask them. It's uh, it's a little bit freaky considering we're well, I ha- think, halfway across I, the globe. I think, are we, I think we're ahead of you though, right? Or are we behind? No, you're behind. I'm always confused. You're we're behind. behind. So maybe oh. you, maybe time travel is a thing. I, I don't know. The time traveling is just too dangerous. Another guy uh, that was definitely his name was raised to us by another guest on the show a couple of weeks ago was uh, Matt Davis from UNC Pembroke. What did you see out of him uh, as a as a kicker, and and do you think he could get drafted? So you know, taking a look at Pembroke, you know, he's a guy again, kind of coming from an off the radar school. Um, and what's interesting about these guys is you don't have to come from a great school to be a kicker. It's not like, you know, being a defensive end where you want to see the kind of competition, um, that a guy's playing against as a kicker. You're really only playing against yourself. Yep. Um, you know, taking a look at Pembroke, he's a guy, he's got a relatively clean motion. He comes a little bit more from the side than I like to see. I like to see guys who are a little bit more upright. Uh, and less of kind of that side-winding, torquey style. So he's got a little bit more of that, um, partly because he's not a huge guy. I think he's listed either 5'9 or 5'10. Um, so he's kind of got to put a little bit more body into it uh, in order to bring everything through the zone there. Um, but in general, you know, he's got a relatively smooth and clean motion. You know, everything uh, flows through pretty well for him. Uh occasionally from the right hash, he does tend to fall off to the right side a little bit. Not unusual for a righty kicker. Um, It's something that you see from a lot of guys, even at the NFL level, most misses end up coming from the right hash. It's just how it works. Um, So I do like him to fall off to the right side, a little bit of an issue there. Mm -hmm. I think he's an undrafted guy. I think some team probably picks him up, uh, you know, down the road here. But again, you know, a guy like this who we're talking about potentially being able to contribute in the next couple of years, it speaks to the depth of this class. Remember, not all kickers contribute immediately. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time. Not everyone is Justin Tucker who comes in and sets the world on fire right away. Um, So I think a guy like Matt Davis, you know, definitely has a chance to make it. Um, But he's got a longer road, unfortunately. Yep. Uh, Will Lutz came out of nowhere last year. Is is Aleem Sunan or or Jonathan Gonzalez gonna? Would would that surprise you to have a, a Will Lutz type season in their rookie year? Um, someone uh, someone going the route that Lutz did would just because Lutz was so far off my draft radar um, that I, I I graded him out as not really being able to contribute this year and. I was 100% wrong. Not only did he contribute, I graded him out for the full NFL season um, as uh, one of the top 10 kickers in the NFL. Okay. And so for something like that to happen, where a guy comes, you know, from an off the radar program to then, you know, being graded out as the seventh best kicker in the league, that doesn't happen too often. Generally, you kind of know who's going to end up uh, near the top unless, hey, sometimes you get an Aguayo situation and, you know, things get a little funky. So I'm going to chalk the 2016 class up just to 2016 being that kind of a year. You know, we had Brexit, we had Donald Trump, and we had Roberto Aguayo. I'm going to put that kind <laughs> of out there. Um, and so 
I'm going to chalk 2016 just kind of up to being that. And I'm going to assume that things return to a little bit more normalcy, uh, a little bit more normal uh, way of doing things in uh, 2017. I don't know about that. We still have Donald Trump. Uh, you know, like <laughs> not much has changed. Uh, in, in that case, Salim Sunanan, best kicker of 2017. Oh, guaranteed. Sweet. Boom. All right. That's what we want. That's the type of fire and, and hot takery that we want on this show. Um, now not, only, not only the best kicker, he's actually going to be the uh, top quarterback of 2017, too. So oh, book it. Lighting up fire. You could throw one pass and finish with a with a, <laughs> a perfect passer rating. And then you are 158.3. And you're an absolute genius uh, from here on out. Uh, you mentioned in that that Aguado Aguayo piece uh, that you sort of reevaluated your your scouting process and your evaluation process of kickers and punters. Just you know, you mentioned all these punters and you've talked about different styles and skip steps, and you've informed our listeners and, and myself. It's been great. What what exactly is your scouting and evaluation process of of kickers and punters? Like, what what does Chuck Zotter do to to come up with these, with your rankings of of, of draft prospects, and and even in the you know the NFL one thousand. Um, so the NFL is easier to do obviously than uh, than college, just because tapes more readily available. So for the NFL last year, I actually watched every single special team snap and pretty much graded every single one. Um, it's easier to do that in the NFL and in college, cause we have all 22 everywhere. So it's, you know, pretty straightforward. When we talk about college, there's, there's a level of projection involved. And part of the reason for that uh, is due to the change in the ball, the NFL, uh, as you may or may not know, and your listeners may or may not know, uses what's called the K ball uh, for their kickers, which pretty much uh, is a completely different experience than anything they've kicked in college. So there's always some level of adjustment uh, for kickers moving over to that K ball. So what I've pretty much built and what I continue to refine because the work is never done um, is pretty much a matrix where I both use the statistics from uh, from what you see in college, not just the ones that, you, you know, your, your big, uh, you know, distance punted and things like that, but I'll actually go through and I'll, you know, chart as much as I can just to get a sense of what's going on out there. Um, so I'll use, you know, all the different statistics that I chart and I'll put that up there, uh, with some level of projection as well, based on, uh, where you see kickers and punters needing to make adjustments to get, you know, used to that K ball and, you know, what kind of, uh, historical translation you see those kinds of things. So it's, it's definitely a process and look, it's clearly not a hundred percent accurate and, it's never going to be because guys are always going to come from off the radar and surprise you. And the sure things, but look half the time they don't work out. It's not just kickers. We see this with Courtney Brown at defensive end. We see it with uh, Trent Richardson at running back. Yep. Those guys were can't miss prospects too. 100%. And they missed. So it's uh, it's no different with kickers. You know, as much as people like to think that kickers are smarter than everyone else, we're actually not. <laughs> You got an honorary air horn uh, drop for that. Uh, you probably can't hear it, but uh, you're part of. You're <laughs> I part do what of, I can. You're part of uh, Wooten Y uh, folklore now. You've got that. It's, it's great. <laughs> uh, Chuck Zotter, thank you very much for joining the show. Uh, please plug anything you work on. Where can people find you? Uh, we always want our guests to uh, to at least promote something for for giving us uh, being generous with their time. 
Well, hey, uh, you, you guys are phenomenal just having me on. I'm just happy that someone uh, wants to talk to a uh, short, bald former kicker. So I'll take what I can get. <laughs> if you do want to check us out, you can head right over to InsideThePylon.com. Uh, we also have a great draft guide that's out and available at ITPDraftGuide.com. Uh, a lot of work went into it from our entire team, uh, as uh, you know we mentioned at the start. Yep. Uh, there, unfortunately, were no kickers that uh, made the cut for this draft guide. I'm told that's because I had first round grades on all of them, but maybe, maybe next year and uh, we'll see what happens. But again, really appreciate you having me and, uh, you know, always happy to uh, come on and chat a little kicking and punting. Man, if, if you can't get an audience in Australia, the uh, punting haven uh, in the NFL and any college football, then uh, I don't know where you're going to be able to get an audience, Chuck. Are you guys looking for uh, new citizens? You know, is there a chance I might be able to come over and, you know, kind of make things work, make a run at it? Yeah, get get ahead of the queue before there is a mass exodus in the States. Might be a smart idea. I'm sure uh, the Australian Outback Gridiron team would, would love to have you on board. You could uh, easily get employment. It would it would be very easy for you. I'll talk to uh, I'll talk to the wife and I'll see if we can make uh, make some rounds later this year just to scout things out. Yep. <laughs> How are you with... Uh, Animals though we we have like snakes, spiders, man. You guys, sharks, you guys natos. got the weirdest. You got the weirdest animals everywhere. Even the things that you know people think are cuddly, like kangaroos, are scary as hell. Yeah. Like we will fight every you. animal. Every animal that you have there is pretty much built to kill everything, and so uh, that's the one thing that's always kind of kept me on edge a little bit. So if there's a way that I can you know live there without the snakes and spiders and everything. I'd be in favor. <laughs> we'll try and see what we could do. And uh, enjoy the uh, NFL draft and, and the next few months, Chuck. And uh, we look forward to seeing uh, your work and, and inside the pylon continue to uh, break down the X's and O's. Thanks again, Chuck. All right. We'll talk soon. Big thanks to Chuck Zotter for joining the show and talking kickers and punters with us and, you know, Australian players in the NFL. I hope you all enjoyed that. As I said at the top of the show, Cam Johnson, the only Australian in the NFL draft this year. We wish him all the best. Hopefully we can grab him on uh, after the draft and talk about, uh, you know, have an interview with him and talk about, you know, his future and the team that he lands with and, and the situation there. And hopefully uh, he'll be available for us. And just a shout out to Pro Creek Australia who keep just providing punter after punter after punter that's going to get drafted. And there'll be more and more in the NFL. They do a fantastic job. Nathan Chapman. And uh, Johnny Smith, they do a they do a tremendous job. Also, a big thanks to RJ Ochoa for joining the show, talking NFL schedule. Please keep an eye out for our uh, two round mock draft episode dropping on Wednesday. Uh, Laurie Horesh and uh, Scott Langford, friends of the show, join the podcast, and uh, we split up the sixty four top you know top two round picks into sixteen picks each. We all represent a, a few different teams. And, uh, and we do a mock draft that way. That'll be dropping on Wednesday night, so please keep an eye out for that. Also, if you head to the uh, reddit.com slash r slash NFL Australia, we'll uh, drop a couple of threads in there to, uh, with some draft competitions. Uh, the first is just guessing who all 32 players will be drafted in the first round, and then we'll have a mock draft uh, competition as well. So please keep an eye out for that. It's a little bit of fun and a little bit of bants. Should be good stuff. As always, you can follow the show at Wooten Y. You can follow me on Twitter at JYNFL. You can follow my co-host, uh, Woot, at Woot, etc. And please like us on Facebook, The Wooten Y Show, and listen on iTunes, Stitcher, 
Audio Boom and iTunes reviews, please. We need more reviews. So up the ante, give us some reviews. Thanks, guys.